Yep, she is the year of the weird. Good day, and welcome to Wheat Pete's Word here on RealAgriculture.com for Wednesday, July the 10th, on this episode of The Word. It's 2019! It's the year of the weird! Meanwhile, a consistent thread through this episode... Big wheat, baby, absolutely. We're going to talk about the agricultural community. We're going to talk about bugs. We're going to talk about fusarium, nitrogen, and finish up at the end with unseeded acres. Let's go. Incredible. Unbelievable. I am in Nova Scotia doing a couple of wheat meetings out here, and I have said many times when I'm out here, this area should be able to grow world record wheat. Absolutely. World record breaking wheat. Meanwhile, the world record for wheat production that's recorded is 6.79 tons per acre or just a hair under 250 bushels per acre. The meeting on Tuesday, the 9th of July, I'm with a grower in Nova Scotia, Tim from Nova Scotia, who a couple of years ago grew 6.5 ton per acre wheat. Remember, 6.8 is the world record. 250 bushels, Tim grew 239 bushel per acre wheat in a 15-acre field. We're not talking just a strip. We're talking a whole field. Not a big field, but still a 15-acre field. Absolutely incredible. Nova Scotia is surrounded by water. It has a more moderate climate because of that. I think we've got a shot. We just got to put together the package. It's awesome being out here and talking about that. Meanwhile, out here in Nova Scotia, you know what? It's just like the rest of Eastern Canada. There's going to be no record-breaking wheat here this year. There are unseeded acres. It has been a tough, tough spring across all of Eastern Canada, including Quebec, Ontario, all of the Maritimes. Barry from Brantford, just south of Brantford, 15.2 inches. Remember, we talked about this. 15.2 inches of rainfall from April 25th to June 25th. Meanwhile, they managed to get everything planted. And last Friday, Saturday, they got up to another 4.5 inches of rain. And what happened? Of course, they had seeded everything, no-tilled soybeans into corn stalks. The corn stalks just picked up and floated and plugged culverts. And uh, not just theirs, but everybody in that area. It's just, uh, yep, the corn stalks, that's one of the challenges of leaving them on the surface. You get those big rain you're going to get corn stalks that mat up and there's going to be little bits it doesn't actually amount to much but boy you look at those fields and you just say wow and, and again Barry holy snap and what a wet year you have had up until this point meanwhile it has been an unbelievably tough spring from Nature Nut Nick at Strathroy and this is a huge message and thank you the whole agricultural community 
everyone pulled together. And it's not just farmers that worked basically 24 hours a day for two or three days in a row to try to get things done. Or once it finally came, they just kept working, you know, 21 hour days, sleep three hours, 21 hour days, sleep three hours. In fact, Nick says one neighbor can't even remember seeding a field, but looks on his GPS, his, his management system. And yeah, it got seeded. He doesn't remember being there. That, that is very scary. But it's also the agribusiness personnel, the fertilizer people, the seed people, seed people having to move seed two or three times. The agricultural community really came together. Everyone supported everyone. And it is unbelievable the amount of work we got done. So a huge, absolute huge thank you to everyone in the industry. Oh, we still have more to go. I know that. But for the most part, we've gotten things in the ground. We're slowing back a little bit. Take a breather, take a break. And and a huge thank you to everyone for all the effort that you put out there. Okay, going to move on. And yep, she is the year of the weird. So we have Matt from Huron County who found grass sawfly in the wheat crop. Grass sawfly, it's not a big pest most of the time. It clips a few heads it can clip the stems as well but that's weird we've seen it once or twice before quite unusual in Ontario Kim at Emo holy slugs I have never seen that many slugs she sent pictures now this is wheat in head and the silly slugs are up on the head feeding on the head she walked through the field and took a picture of her boot and I don't know is there 200 slugs on her boot I have no idea but it is just bizarre and meanwhile I am getting reports that feed mills cannot find corn to buy to grind into feed. It's like we've run out of corn in the province of Ontario, or at least the corn that's still in bins. Growers aren't willing to part with it because the corn crop looks so so marginal at this particular point in time. How can it be that we knocked corn down last fall because of high dawn levels, and meanwhile it's July the 10th, and we're out of corn. It's just, it just bizarre from that standpoint. All right, next. Hey, folks, listen up. It is July. No more dicamba. I, it's just driving me nuts. So, by the way, it's too hot to spray your extend soybeans. So, oh, it's too hot to spray extend on the soybeans today. Hmm. Well, maybe we'll go out and spray the marksman on the corn. Hello, there is dicamba in Marksman, there is dicamba in Peak Plus. In fact, Deb Campbell, an excellent agronomist, said last year she had far more drift issues from dicamba on corn than she did from any dicamba on extend soybeans. It's simply too late for dicamba. Ryan, an excellent agronomist in Lambton County, shifted to Acuron instead, got excellent control. There are options out there. Dicamba is such a good tool in the toolbox. If we misuse it, we will lose it. So please, no more dicamba. It's simply too late. The risk is too high. Andy, you're asking about knee-high corn, that it's spiked up and you've got lots of moisture. Well, there's a couple of things that can be going on there. One would be dicamba or a hormone-type spray that will cause that world to twist up fairly tight. Just just the nature of the beast, a little bit late application, you can get those spiked plants, generally not the whole field, but a few spiked plants. The other is just this rapid growth syndrome. So for sure, when we get rapid growth, the 
the leaves can't unfurl quickly enough. The corn plant is just going so fast, they can't unfurl quickly enough, and you get that kind of spiky look. When they do unfurl, then we often get that yellow flash because the corn plant hasn't made the chlorophyll in those leaves yet, and so they look yellow. Next, leaf hoppers. Man, there are leaf hoppers out there all over the place. So this is an alert, alert, alert. If you have first year leaf hopper resistant alfalfa, you need to pay attention because the alfalfa doesn't express that leaf hopper resistant trait in the first year. And if you want a good alfalfa stand, you need to spray for leaf hopper in the first year. So scout, 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 spray if you have them. Edible beans. We get about 45 days. That's an incredibly long period, actually, of control from the seed treatments. But once you run out of 45 days, again, leaf hoppers can be a problem. And I always wonder if we actually will get 45 days every year. So again, scout. There are lots of leaf hoppers. We need to be paying attention. And David reminding me that, hey, Peter, aphids in spring cereals, you haven't talked about this much, but we have mentioned that they will move from winter wheat to the spring cereals. We are seeing that. They spread barley yellow dwarf virus, so don't be surprised if in some of this late-planted cereals, we actually see lots of barley yellow dwarf virus showing up. Okay, fusarium. Darn it. We have fusarium out the yin-yang. So Dave Hooker tweeting out some pictures of trials that he's doing, and Dave always does excellent trials. He's got a susceptible variety that is unsprayed at Ridgetown campus, and guess what? 80%. 80% infection. That is horrible. Meanwhile, moderately resistant genetics and sprayed at the right time doing a good job with that T3 fungicide, it's only 5% infection. So I know there's unsprayed wheat out there just because the nature of the beast, people couldn't get in there or they thought the yield was too low. There is a ton of fusarium in that wheat, even in sprayed wheat that on susceptible varieties, the, the fungicide cannot do the whole job, the heavy lifting there. And in the good genetics sprayed Ah, we still got to get that fusarium out of there. So combine setup becomes incredibly important. Remember, you go to the field with maximum wind. Blow out those light kernels when you take that first load into the elevator and they tell you, wow, this is great stuff. Zero dawn at all. Great. Turn the wind down. But you start at maximum wind and you back away from there once you know. The other thing. Get the wheat out of the field as quickly as you can. We know that every rainstorm is a pound per bushel in test weight. We know that every time the wheat is over 19% moisture, that that fusarium can make more dawn in the grain, and it just goes downhill, downhill, downhill. So get the, the wheat out of the field, of course. Lots of southwestern Ontario fields are quite weedy. They're thin stands. They were going to get taken out. They didn't get taken out. They didn't get a herbicide applied. So we are going to need some pre-harvest to desiccate those weeds. Don't forget, if you have fleabane in those fields, Dale Cowan from Agris Co-op, Onstead Co-op, would say, if you're in southwestern Ontario, you assume all fleabane, all 
fleabane is glyphosate resistant and group two resistant. We don't want it to set seed. I think we'll get there before it sets seed. If you're there before it sets seed, high rate Aragon is registered on wheat, on barley, on triticale. Burn that fleabane off and don't let it make seed. Get it out of the field as quickly as you can. Okay, going to move on to nitrogen. So Peter sending a great question. He's wondering about why dropping his corn. So there's very little rain in the forecast. And he's the question is, do I wide drop it or do I hire someone who can actually side dress taller corn? It's too high for me to go through with the tractor and side dress it. But there's almost no rain in the forecast. And Peter said, I know that they talk about this dew and and the dew funneling down the plant and looking wet around the bottom of the plant, but I'm going out in the morning. I am not seeing that. I'm not sure that's true. If I Y drop, do I use agritane? And by the way, Peter only put on 50 pounds of nitrogen at planting. So this is where I kind of say, okay, I'd rather see the 80, 90, 100 pounds of nitrogen at planting just because it opens up that window. Peter, if you only have 50 pounds of nitrogen there, you have to get that nitrogen on fairly soon. You're soon going to run out. You planted mid-May. And the other question about agritane. Well, Remember, 28% is half ammonium nitrate. So the agritane in this situation does nothing for that half. So we're only protecting the other half, the urea portion, and the agritane will give you about two weeks protection from volatilization off the soil surface. But in the models that look at that urea volatilization, if the wind drops to zero, Volatilization essentially drops to zero because as it volatilizes, it builds up heavy concentrations of that urea, uh, ammonia rather, right by the fertilizer band. And it's, it's a, concentra- a concentration distribution. If the wind takes it away, well, it volatilizes more. But if the wind doesn't take it away, it's at equilibrium, so it doesn't volatilize more. In this situation, tall corn, the wind where you put that urea, probably quite minimal. And so uh, it's tough to, for me to see how that really plays from that perspective. I, I just think you, uh, the, the real question is side dress or put it on the surface. And side dress, you know it's going to get into soil water, but it's a slower process. It's just, it's no easy answer from that perspective. Jake out in Saskatchewan saying, wow, what a roller coaster, Peter. Severe drought up until June the 5th. Since June the 5th, we are now full of moisture to the point where we're almost too wet. So we've gone from what we expected to be really low yield potential to holy my goodness, we might blow the doors off with big wheat, baby. At seeding time, Jake did a really cool, I think the right thing, variable rate nitrogen to his five-year average yield of somewhere around 60 bushels per acre. At growth stage 30 to 32, he said, okay, we've had a little bit of rain. I'm going to take the chance on my best fields. And he, he, he top-dressed those fields. So about a third of his acres he top-dressed. Meanwhile, it has stayed cool in Western Canada. The barley in Western Canada looks unbelievable. Where they have got rainfall, it, just, it could be one of the best years ever because it stayed cool. We haven't had the high temperatures to date at least, and they've gotten moisture. So big, big potential on these crops. What are the options to get on more nitrogen? And Jake, that gets to be really tough. So first off, you're, you're heading out, and you asked me about 28% and streaming it on. You've got chafer bars. 
So the problem is at pollination, if we damage the pollen grains at all, we get less seed set. And it's just one of those super sensitive times. I don't think we can stream nitrogen on the wheat crop at that particular point in time. I simply think it's just too high a risk. Meanwhile, if we wait till after anthesis, well, we aren't going to get more kernels. We get more kernels when we get the nitrogen on there prior to anthesis so that we have nitrogen in there to stimulate that kernel set. But post-anthesis, if we have big yield potential, lots of moisture, that post-anthesis nitrogen actually does add to yield. It adds to the size of the kernel and it adds to test weight. And so that could be 10 to 15% more yield. I think we still go post-anthesis, try not to burn it, dilute the 28% and temperature. Temperature is the big driver. When it's hot, the wax on the leaf doesn't protect the leaf because it's, it's just like wax in a candle. When you light the candle, it goes soft and it doesn't, it flows, right? So do it when it's cool, high humidity if you can, however that works. But I think you go out there and you do some post-anthesis nitrogen, see if you can't push that wheat yield even higher. On canola, you know, canola with those big flat leaves, the flowers right there and open. I don't know how you would do it. Even dissolved urea, I'm not sure we can do on canola, but it would be a great trial. Okay, I only have one minute to say, for goodness sakes, yes, you can seed oats and peas. Chris, you can seed oats and peas before wheat. That's okay. Get it in the ground. Let's open that ground up. Seed every unseeded acre to a cover crop. Again, I'm out of time, so I can't talk more about that, but buckwheat plowed is fine sunflowers are fine and we'll talk more about that on next week's episode look at that as always i am out of time that's it that's all on behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com this is wheat pete with the word for wednesday july the 10th leave me tons of questions and i'll run out of time again next week because that's just what i do and i'll do that again next wednesday talk to you then